Hey, welcome to Mixing America. Thanks for joining me. I got a guest today, Jeff Thomas. He's the Dean of Student Life at Maranatha Christian Academy, my old high school, his whole high school. Actually, we went to school together back in the day, not in the same grade, but definitely had some interactions and knew each yes, other sir, a little yes, bit. Sir. So first of all, Jeff, thanks for joining me, taking the time. Yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate being here. You know, I appreciate how coming out here, be able to chop it up with you. So let's get yeah. it. So we won't spend too much time down memory lane a little bit, but yeah, what what was life like for you growing up? Like, give me a little bit of your story. What life was like growing up as a black man in Minnesota? So um, I come from New Jersey originally. Uh, I was there till I was ten, um, and so Minnesota was a culture shock for me because you know I grew up around all Puerto Rican black people. Um, you know, I'm from the hood, so I grew up around people that look like me and, you know, Latino people, you know, some Asian people, um, very few Asian people, but, you know, still some Asian people and um, very few white people. And then when I come out to Minnesota and it's just like, whoosh, it's a totally different, different thing. And uh, and it was weird because I had not been around a lot of white people like that. And. Not only that, Minnesota and New Jersey are two <clears throat> totally different places. And so for me, um, it was a culture shock coming here for a little bit. Um, but then, you know, growing up in Minnesota as a black man, really in a lot of the places I've been, I've been like one of the only few black dudes. And so when it came to like questions of race or questions of ethnicity, culture, I was the representative, right? Like I was the one, like Jeff's the one, go ask him. He knows like, you know, and so like I went to Maranatha for high school. I went to Northwestern college, you know, for, for, for college and stuff. And, and so I've, I've always, you know, I went to fourth Baptist for middle school. So I've always kind of been like one of the few black kids in the room. Um, you get used to it after a while. Uh, but you, you just know, like, it gives you, it gives you a different perspective too, like, and to how people think, how white people think it really does. And, and, and to where some of my friends who grew up around black people, most of their life, they kind of see it different. I see, I see it in a different way because I've been around a lot of white people a lot of times. So, so it's interesting, you know, it's been interesting, but it's been good. I've appreciated it. So, yeah. So uh, you talk about a 10 years old even understanding, maybe not fully understand, but understanding the the cultural differences, the the ethnicity differences between not only did you come to Minnesota, which if you had come to like, you know, certain parts parts of the cities, it's yeah. much more diverse, but specifically right. going to private schools like Fourth Baptist, like Maranatha, right. and, then, right. and then even Northwestern for college. Yeah. Um how, how aware of your race were you or was it was it very obvious to you that like I'm not like them so so um it's interesting so when I when we moved here we lived in north and south Minneapolis for a little while okay um and uh junior high junior high race junior high was an interesting experience um I went to a school on the fourth Baptist and they didn't celebrate Martin Luther King day. So for me as a black person, I was like, right, exactly. Right. And so I was like, and I have no problem putting that on blast either. I, that was terrible. And yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
So for me, I, I was like, and I took it off every every year because me and mom and dad were like, it's Martin, you should probably take it off. So, um, so for me, like that was a big thing. And then when I was in when I was in junior high, um, you know, I, I I felt like I was aware simply because of how I was treated. Like when I was in junior high, I was bullied a lot, and so people would never, but people would like the administrators would never do anything about it. They would only step in when I would like all of a sudden get mad and freak out and beat somebody up. Then they yeah. go, oh, wait a minute, Mr. Thomas, you can't do that. And I'm like, I came to you like two weeks ago and told you this was happening to me. And nobody did nothing. So, you know, I'm from I'm from over north. So I'm like, look, I'm going to handle this the way that you don't want me to handle it if you don't step in. That's exactly what happened. They wouldn't step in until I did something bad. And so it was like. And then you get then you get stereotyped as the big angry black man that that they're afraid of. Yes, 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 absolutely, absolutely. So it was just that, and that's what it became. And so when I came to Maranatha, um, it was a sort of a breath of fresh air, but then I had to go through anger management to even be here. That was one of the requirements of me coming in was, all right, well, we're gonna have you see the counselor until you get that anger out and so but then i was also afraid because of that place to kind of be myself so like for three years i tried to act white when i was here that's what i did for three years and it wasn't until my senior year where i was like i love rap music i love you know black stuff i'm black i like black stuff i should be able to say that without having to be and feel like i'm embarrassed about it and so senior year, I just started acting like myself and I was a little more different. And then like, even like when I started doing that, like school was better, like my grades were better. And like, I just felt better because I started acting like myself. Um, and, and, and so it, it, I really became self-aware the year after high school. So I took a year off, well, sort of, I did like a semester in North Hennepin um, just to get my GPA up. So I go to Northwestern. But that year I took off, I re- when wor- and I worked at Best Buy for, uh, well, 30-something hours a week. And um, I took that. It wasn't in school. I was just take- – I took the year off. I really, like, found myself. That's when I was really self-aware. And that's when I was able to, like – and then, of course, college helping with that, too. Um, but, like, I really wasn't self-aware till like, that year after high school. So it took me a while, you know. So, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. But one of the things that yeah. really stood out to me was um, not not being able to, like, embrace your blackness. So kind of, there's a lot to that, what that even means, right, to embrace your blackness. Um, I grew up, I'm mixed. Right. When I went to Maranatha, we had, you know, my best friend was black. We had a couple other black kids. Like, every year there was at least, like, you know, one or two black kids in our yeah. class. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So for me, it was easy to not necessarily consciously embrace my white side, but that was kind of what was kind of how everyone was at Maranatha. So I just yeah, was yeah. that. And right. same thing after Maranatha, getting to college um, helped me kind of identify with me and who exactly. I am and what I like. And you're saying that even as a black man, a fully black man, did you did you have other and I, I don't remember exactly who was in your class and but were there other black people around or was it because you're the only black guy you felt like you had to fit in? 
what did that look like, I guess, navigating race and finding identity in high school and in a predominantly white high school? There wasn't a lot of black kids at Maranatha when we were there. Oh, no. No, there was not. Um, so, like I said, like my experience at Fourth Baptist, you know, when I was myself and got bullied for being myself, like, it kind of was like, well, I should probably try to act like the status quo of wherever I'm at. So when I came here, it was like, well, let me act like these kids. You know, my parents ain't got no money. My parents ain't white, but I was acting like them. And I found myself trying to be something I wasn't. And of course, when you're in high school, everybody sees through that. And so, you know, I was, it, it was not cool. And I kept trying to do it. And I kept trying to do it. It was not cool. Um, <clears throat> and so I felt like, you know, because of what happened to me previously to fit in, I had to act like something I wasn't. And I wouldn't say I fit in my senior year, but I didn't care my senior year. So I just was like, look, look, I'm 17. I'm about to be out of here next year. I don't care anymore what y'all think. And once I got past that is is when I started to be more self-aware. But, you know, I, I wanted to fit in and I wanted to be liked and I wanted to um, I wanted to just I didn't want to have the same problems that I had in my other school. Plus, I was on behavior probation with Mr. Sullivan, and if I messed up, I was like, you know, so I was like, uh, I'm I'm trying to fit in as best I can. And um, like I said, senior year, I just said, I don't care at all what y'all think or what anybody thinks. I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to watch the shows I want to watch and talk about them and love them and listen to my music and, and let people know how black I really am. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. um and so it, Keith was here. Keith played basketball. Keith, Keith Cannon, he was yep. here. I was friends with him. Um, Deshaun Coleman, I was, I was kind of cool with him. I knew, you know, um, we had that one incident my junior year, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, but yeah, I was cool with him and, 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 uh, and then, you know, Alan Porter in your class. Um, Jason Zia. I knew Jason Zia from, from Fort Baptist. So um, I was cool with him um, and those guys. I was cool with more people in your class anyways, to be honest with you. I liked, I liked your class more than I liked mine. Um, Did you find yourself, whether it was consciously or unconsciously, like gravitating, gravitating towards the other black kids? Because I'm hearing you name these names. And like you said, the people in my class, or people that weren't necessarily in your grade, weren't necessarily having classes with. But you did you was it consciously? Was it unconsciously? Oh, it was conscious. It was conscious. Yeah. It was conscious. I knew what I was doing. I was like, you know what? Like, I don't have nothing in common with these kids. And I didn't necessarily like shun white kids. Like I had I hung out with everybody. Like I, I was cool. I tried to be cool with everybody. But like it was if it was lunchtime, I was sitting with Keith and I was sitting with Alicia and I was sitting with with uh, with Alan and, and all them and, and Jason, all those guys. Well when I you know, sometimes I would sit with those guys and and, and so that's that's who I sat with, you know. That's that we talked, we laughed. Um, every now and then, like you said, black kids come in, you know, we hang out, whatever, we talk, and 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 that was really it. But again, I I, I know what I was doing. I know what I was doing. Yeah. So talking about identity uh, in a in high school is t- I think tough for everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe mixed had my own challenges. You being yeah. black with with a mostly white school had challenges. Right. Right. Male, female, tall, short, skinny. <clears throat> we all have identity issues, I think, growing in high school. I think that's a yeah. tough time. Yeah. Uh, you now have influence in a high school at Maranatha um, over these kids. 
What, what do you tell them or have you talked to them about identity, about, yes, embracing who you are, but it doesn't necessarily mean, okay, because, because you're a black man, you got to be like an angry black man. You know, you talked about like, you know, fourth Baptist thought you had anger issues, whether you did or didn't, but like you can embrace who you are without like embracing the negative stuff or even like being black isn't all of who you are. It's a part of who you are. Absolutely. Right. But, but it's not all of your identity. It doesn't right. make up everything about you. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you talk the, to these kids about? Or, or if you have, what have you talked to them about? Or what would you say to them? So something I always talk about, especially with kids nowadays that we never had to deal with. Um, I always tell them, don't let social media influence you in terms of like finding your identity and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you're making us sound really old right now. But yeah, yeah. We haven't been around that long, so like, Dude, I know, I know. Just, we're not, just we're not, we're not that old. We're not yeah. that old. But, yeah. but even still, when we was, a, I couldn't. I'd be thinking too, man. I couldn't imagine Facebook and Snapchat when we was in high school. It'd have been a hot mess, man. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So, so, um, but again, like I always tell these guys, like, like, don't let social media like influence you. You know, do your research. You know what I'm saying? Like, look at, look at the, look at what we've been through. Um, especially when it comes to, <coughs> excuse me, allergies are a mess right now. Oh, um, <laughs> especially when it comes to, you know, finding out who you are. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so what do you like? And and your identity. If like I know black kids that think differently than other black kids because that's their identity. You know what I'm saying? Like, like there's a group of black kids I talk to that, that are all athletes. And then there's a group of black kids I talk to that watch anime. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, I mean, so like, what do you like? What don't, don't succumb to what somebody else says you have to be. Um, that's the biggest thing with kids is this, they're influenced by social media influencers and all this stuff. And, and sometimes people have good things to say, um, you know, and, and sometimes people have, you know, valuable things. You listen to your pastor or whatever, you know, but um, don't let somebody else be like, oh, well, they said I should be this. I'm going to be this. No, do it because you want to do it and you feel like it's good for you, not because somebody else said it. And that's the biggest thing with these kids is making sure they know that they can do it on their own. And they don't need somebody else to help them find their identity. Not to... Uh... We won't talk too bad about Maranatha since you still work no. there. And I still work at the no. building. But um, did you find for me? I feel mm-hmm. like dress code hindered my me finding my identity. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I was not. I am not a polos and khaki kind of person. Right. Right. But that's all I ever wore because <laughs> maybe maybe people whose parents could afford to buy them two sets of clothes. Oh man. Could have their own clothes on the side. Man. But like. I, I wore khakis and polos all the way through high school because I had right. to. I, I never liked khakis and polos, and I never got to, you know, as maybe superficial as clothes are, I never right. got to kind of experiment or try my own style because I had to wear khakis and polos. You know, you had like exactly. one or two out of dress code days a year, but it was like, you know, I, I didn't have much else to go with. So it was like, did did you find that as part of the problem too is – Yes. Again, not trying to put Maranatha on blast about dress code because I'm sure there's lots of good reasons to have a dress code. Well, well, you know what? This is actually good. This is actually a good thing to talk about because of, of where Maranatha's at now. 
Um, so yeah, when we were there, dude, like like our hair and stuff, like the facial hair and all this kind of stuff, too. We couldn't do none of that. Yeah. And I was I like, facial hair until after college, anyways. So well, yeah, see, see, that was the thing. Like I was always growing facial hair. And Mr. Ford would be at the classroom with the razor, like, hey, I got the razor. Time to show. I'm like, dog, go on, man. And, like, I couldn't wear the shoes. I, I see all the shoes. I couldn't wear the clothes and all that kind of stuff. Like, if you look at my clothes in college, like, I was wearing ridiculous, loud, crazy colors, man. I was, dude, it was insane. I had a, I had a hoodie with, like, all, like, comic book strips on it. Like, the whole comic book strip. Like, and my my track jacket and my shirt matched my hat. Had the chain with the medallion with it. Like I was wearing everything was crazy. At Northwestern, yeah, dude. There could have been a lot of other people at Northwestern dressed no, like that. Right? No, not at all. And I didn't even care, man. I didn't even care. It was great. It was great. I love it. And um, like I had a I had a pair of shorts, dude, with like a shoe on it and laces in it. Like I was wearing crazy clothes, man. Crazy clothes. Um, but like. But yeah, Marinetta, dude, we had to wear the black shoes, you know, mm-hmm. had to wear the certain color khakis. I think they just started letting us wear hoodies my senior year. Let's wear zip-up hoodies, you know. Um, it was really bland. But see, now, like, the reason why I feel like we have a lot more kids of color here is because we've opened up our dress code. We got we got all kinds of, like, shades of purple, like, shades of shades of red, different shades of blue, different shades of yellow, different shades of everything. Next year is quite as kept. We're going to we're going to change the the pant colors are going to be more opened up. Um the kids can wear whatever shoes they want. You see kids in school with dreads, you know, and braids and like natural hair. Um the boys are allowed to have long hair like if they want it, they don't want to cut their hair like it's really cool to see it. So I feel like Maranatha has learned a lot in that way of like, y'all are hindering a little bit with your dress code. And I feel like now there's so much more freedom and these kids still complain about it too. I don't even think, man, I know. dude. You got to be like, back in my day. You know, I, I, and, I, and I've turned into that guy. Like, dude, when <laughs> I was here, man, I'm telling you. I'm Again, telling we're not that old. We're not that old. Not that old, but I've turned into that guy already, man. Like, like they will complain about the, oh, this is like, we got to wear this. Look, you can go back when y'all had to wear skirts during chapel yeah. and the boys had to wear ties. Like, yep. that. so um, they've really opened up the dress code and kids have a lot of freedom within it. So I think I think now it's it's and now it's really good as opposed to you know when we was there it was hindering bro really it was yeah we didn't have it like that so, yeah so what are now that you're working at Maranatha yeah what other differences have you seen specifically when talking about identity when talking about yeah. race culture heritage yeah uh, it is much more diverse I mean even just the fact that you know they have the foreign exchange students we didn't I think there was one. I remember, I feel like I remember one when I was there. Yeah, 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 Um, maybe. But the school is much more, or or is it, I guess, you're in it, you're you're there, you talk to the students, you interact with them, you see them. Uh, Is is there a difference? And how much of a difference between when we were there versus now? Oh man, dude, it's, it's way different way different. (laughs) Um, It's different in terms of race, it's different in terms of like, you know, it ain't just all assemblies of God. It's like Catholic, it's Lutheran, it's Presbyterian, it's Christian reform. It's it's everything. It's not even even it's conservative, it's liberals, it's Democrats, it's Republicans, it's, you know, independents, moderates. You know what I'm saying? Green Party. I ain't seen Green Party yet. 
<laughs> but I'm just saying, like, it's diverse. It's so diverse. And in my opinion, this is what the kingdom of God looks like, right? A bunch of different everything, but everybody loves Jesus. Yeah. Like, that's the crazy part, man, is that it's a bunch of different everything represented. But at the end of the day, everybody loves Jesus. And that for me, like, I'm like, yep, this is this is why I need to be here because I, I want to be a part of what's going on here. Um, you know, the fact that, like I said, we're 48 percent diverse. Like you said that, like it's much more diverse. We're 48 percent kids of yeah. color now. It's like, man, this is this is really cool. So um, way different, man. Way different um, mentality here in the building than when we were there. Way different. <laughs> So how, how did you even get back to Maranatha? Uh, <laughs> and then what what has that been like? What have been the, I guess, the good stuff, maybe the challenges? Um, yeah. What, what, what's that been like? So, so when I got out of college about 2011, um, I was actually, I actually flew down to Arizona to hang out with my homeboy after graduation. He's from down there. And my head coach from college, Coach Tally, we were talking. He's all, man, I'm proud of you, all of this stuff. And, you know, we're talking. And he said, he said, you need to coach football. I'm like, all right. Like, I would love to coach football. He goes, go on the Minnesota High School State League website, look up a job. Da, 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 da. And I looked it up. And Edina needed an offensive line coach for 10th grade. I said, yep, Edina, yeah. <laughs> so I, I called. I said, hey, I'm just out of college. Dude was like, hey, we just hired one of your friends. We want you guys to do it together. Like, all right, cool. Yeah. I'm like, sweet. So I was there. I did 10th grade for two years. I did ninth grade football for about six. Um, was coaching football there. I worked at uh, Southview Middle School in Edina doing security. It started out as security. And then, like, it became, oh, Jeff's a counselor. Jeff's, uh, uh, you know, talk to kids off the bridge, off the ledge. Jeff's the mediator between the students and the teachers and the and the, and the teachers and the admin. And, you know, Jeff is the Jeff. Jeff's the tour guide. And Jeff, you know, I, it became like I was a utility player. Uh, me and the other uh, security guard, Antoinette. Antoinette was really good with the, with the school stuff. So she would help the kids and tutor the kids and stuff like that. So, um, you know, we did some real good work over there in that city. And Mr. Sullivan for years, dude, for like years, he was just like, when are you going to come back? 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 Um, so because I so I was there in 2012 and I was a pair downstairs. And he approached me then and was like, I want you to be a dean. And I'm like, <laughs> but I'm like, I'm like, well, you know, that I could use it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to lie. I was like, I could use it. It would be cool. But then he goes, you can't coach football on the diner. And that's when I was like, well, see, that's where you lose me. Right. And and so I'm like, for years, he's like, when are you going to come back? When are you going to come back? When are you going to come back? I'm like, dude, I'm not doing it. I'm coaching football on Edina. I'm having a good time. Like, there's no I have a full time job at school. It didn't pay much at first. Even still, it didn't pay much over the summer, but I was loving my job. And so I was like, dude, it doesn't matter how much money I made. I never go to work every day because I love what I'm doing. Yeah. And so. And so I'm sitting, I'm, I'm sitting in my office one day and um, I know I had spoken to Mr. Sullivan about some of the things that Southie was doing um, in terms of personalized learning and that kind of stuff. And 
I called him and said, hey, you guys want to come to a site visit? We're holding a big one. We got people coming. He said, look, he said, I want you to be over here. I want you to be a dean. And I've been working in the school system at this point for seven years. And so working in the school wasn't a big deal for me like it was back then. And I said, ah, he said, why don't you come in and we'll talk about it. I said, okay. So he came in. I went into his office, you know, the ominous Mr. Sullivan office. Went in there, sat at his sat at his nights at a round table table, and, and he said, he said, I want you here. We got this many kids. I want you to do this. I think you'd be great here. And it felt like, and it felt right at the time, you know. Um, I had just left the Dino football, and I was at Providence, who we co-op with, and the kids. I had, the kids was already working on me, and I knew it was Mr. Sullivan telling the kids to work on me. I'm like, stop listening to him. Leave me alone. I'm happy. <laughs> and, yeah. and um, but that's always when God moves you, you know. Mm-hmm. It moves you when you're comfortable. And so yeah. and so I was like, all right, let me pray on it, think on it. And I did, and it was the right move. And that was 2019. And uh yeah, man, it's been interesting. Um, you know, I'm I I I I am trying my best at this dean thing. I'm taking a crack at it. I never went to school to be a dean, but I'm doing the best job I can. Um, you know, they let me do Black History stuff, which has been awesome. Um, when it comes to all the stuff in, on race and all, because with it's no secret what's going on in our society right now, and so um, they defer to me a lot when it comes to the race and it comes to that kind of stuff, which is fine, which is perfectly fine. I don't mind taking that mantle on because somebody's got to do it. And I'd rather have it be someone and some, somebody like, I know a little bit, I don't know everything, but I, I feel like I looking around the building is kind of like, you should probably let me do it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, 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 um, and so, yeah, I appreciate, you know, the things I've been allowed to do here. Um, and it's been, it's been cool. It's been cool. So, so I was going to ask you about that black history month. What is, yeah. How did that get started? Yeah. What does that look like? You got that committee of those those kids. I've met some of them, talked to some of them, had one of them on the podcast yeah. uh, not that long ago. Um, what what is that? Where did that committee come from? And and what is what is it like? What do they do? Man, so um, this is a great this is this is a great story. I love telling the story, man. <laughs> so I get there in January, right? And you know, Mr. Sullivan, you know how he and. I'm two weeks into the job. We just get done with chapel. We had just gone through some stuff. A couple of students have passed and the kids are really going through it, you know, and we had just had chapel. Mrs. Sullivan was there. Everybody was there because the school was really going through it. And we get out of chapel and he's like, dude, this is a crazy first two weeks for you. And then I said, yeah, man, you know, but hey, I need to be here. Obviously there's stuff mm-hmm. going on. I got to be here for these kids because I went, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he goes, not to make it crazier. I said, But you're going to run Black History Month this year. I said, so I've been here two weeks, right? Two weeks, literally two weeks. And he's like, bro, you're going to run Black History Month. I'm like, I said, so I said, and again, you know, Mr. Sullivan. So I Mm -hmm. said, well, you know, I could go talk to somebody about it and we could talk about what happened. He said, try us again. You're going to run Black History Month next year. I said, Mr. Sullivan, I've been here two weeks, man. Like, what do you want me to do? And he's like, one more time, we're going to, you're going to run Black History Month this year. You're going to set up this meeting. You're going to call these people, and you're going to be the head of it. <laughs> I'm like, 
<laughs> I'm like, all right, man. Okay. Yeah. So I had all these things and ideas and I talked with some of these adults and all this kind of stuff and all these things. And I'm like, oh, we can do this, this, this. And I prayed about it. And God's like, all right, I want you to take those ideas and throw them in the garbage. I'm like, what do you mean? And I get this prompt and this feeling of let the kids go. This is theirs. And I was like, I was like, okay. So I grabbed Vanessa Ville. She's a senior last year. And I said, what do y'all want to do? And left it like that. She had a whole plan of chapel, what it looked like. She had what she wanted. I said, hey, what do y'all want? I brought them in here. I said, I'll back you. I'll approve whatever needs to be approved. And I will slice up whatever needs to be sliced. I will edit, whatever. What do you want to do? And we had a chapel last year. We had a middle school chapel and we had a high school chapel. And they put it. It's not like they didn't put any effort into middle school, but they middle school was kind of like a dry run for high school. Yeah. Um, um, and then um, we had kids playing. Uh, I don't know how we got this one by, but they played the kids. Uh, they made they played an instrumental version on the instruments. Uh, electric relaxation from Tribe Called Quest. I was like, I was like, we can play this. All right. Okay. Hey, we played it. It was great too. It was all oh, the boys. Yeah. They killed it, man. They killed it. Um, but man, so we did the high school chapel and after, after the high school chapel, tons of black kids, tons, whatever, whatever black kids we had in here, Mr. Thomas, we doing this next year. Like we doing it. What do we got to do? What do we got to do? What do we got to do? And I'm like, man, this is crazy. Kids talking about, man, it was so empowering all this stuff. I had seniors in here high-fiving and crying and stuff like they won the Super Bowl. You know, because they like, man, like for once we were able to speak. And I was like, okay. So, so Vanessa, she's so militant. She comes to my office the next day and she's like, we need a black student union and we got to talk about black issues. And we didn't, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> right? Like, we just, I mean, I'm getting emails and stuff from people down there, you know, that church mm-hmm. teachers and Man, it was we heard some such great things and all the stuff. I'm like, we on a wave right now. I said, if we do Black Student Union, I've been to Black Student Union meetings and I and, and they're good, but most a lot of times it's let's rally each other up and get mad at white people and go protest. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> no. So I said, you know what? We can't, we probably aren't gonna be able to do that. But what we can do is have a black history student committee, make it an official club. I can go to Mr. Ford, Mr. Sullivan, anybody. I go to Pastor Mac with us right now and say, hey, let's do this. And he'll be like, they'll be like, all right. Yeah. Because of what we did. I said, if we can continue to do what we did, we got it. So we the plan was to kind of start it at the end of the year next year and kind of get it pushed into next year. And then COVID happened. Mm. You know? And so I was like, and I really wanted those seniors to impart their knowledge on them and it was like oh man so what i did was over the summer i grabbed some of the seniors i thought were going to be a part of it and i called them and we set it up a little bit over the summer and then we got going in september um we didn't really meet a whole lot because i had football and that was coaching football and I was, you know that i'm gone after the end of the, at the end of the day and so the kids kind of had to do kind of their thing on their own 
But once we started officially meeting, um, we started officially meeting uh, once football season was done and we started planning Black History Month maybe in like November and what we wanted to do. And that's when you guys came alongside of us uh, and said, we want to help. And then when that happened, I mean, that's when it really, I mean, it's, I don't understand how big this thing has gotten. You know what I'm saying? I didn't even think, I didn't think we were going to be able to do anything in the sanctuary, you know, and we, yeah. did, it, and we did it. And were you able, were you there? Were you able to watch it? No, I saw, I watched it. I watched most of it online. I actually had okay. a, a shoot offsite that I had to be at. Okay. Really okay. Disappointing because I had that on my calendar for a while, but this thing came up and had to be done at that time. Yeah, but I watched most cool. of it online and it, okay. it was cool. It was really yeah. cool. To yeah, man. It was, it, and again, and again, it, 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 it sparked out of, out of giving the kids their voice. Mm-hmm. Like when you give the kids their voice now, and I've learned that through coaching, like sometimes like when I'm coaching my ninth grade teams and I'll call them plays, like I'll say, Hey, Eddie, what do you want to run right now? The quarterback, what play you want to run? Well, what do you, well, what do you want to run? What are you seeing? You are out there. I'm not out there. What do you think? Yeah. Well, the corner's cheating up. I said, can we run a fade? Yeah, let's run a fade. What do you want to call? Such, such, such. He'll name the play. I said, go run it. Because why? Because now he has ownership. Now they yeah. have stake and now they have a say. Yeah. And now these kids have a say in what goes on in Black History Month. And they are like, like da, 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 da. you know, they feel yeah. powerful. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, and man, it's it's my friends from public school. They they're all like, hey, we watched it. We want to know how you did it. So now I got public schools like, how did you do it? We need to sit down yeah. and talk about it because we want it here, Eastridge, Edina. You know, they want it over there. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and it's just it's it's gotten bigger than what I thought it would um, because again, these kids had their voice. Yeah, so, I, I um, love that empowering them. At yeah. a young age, because yeah. um, that's one thing that I walked away. We did that video with with some of those students um, for yeah. the Living Word side, yeah. and just what these kids have been through and at their age is is very different than what we went through at our age. Forget, sure. um, but we didn't have we didn't have black people being being killed uh, like that on camera no. when we were no. growing up. So right. for them to experience that and then. You have to and out to to empower them, and then to to let them be heard. Yeah. And it sounds like to me like you did those two things, and it made a world of difference for these young kids. And it's going to prepare them, really launch them to be better adults and, yeah. and contribute to society. Yeah. Uh, and that that's what I loved about about that chapel about talking with those students is just. It gives me, I get excited about the future. I really do. I, yeah. Yeah, I do too. And what I, what I love seeing and, and hearing is like, we'll be in meetings like early on when we were early, when we were just kind of getting things going and they, they say, you know, we need more white kids in our group. And I'm like, yep. And I didn't yeah. say nothing. I didn't prompt it. I didn't, they said that on their own because again, our message, our overall message is unity. And we can't make a group just for black kids. Absolutely not. And they're like, we need more white kids. And we need to educate. And we need to not be angry with everybody. I mean, they're coming up with the stuff on their own. Yeah. You just, being in those meetings, like sitting back and listening to them, like, man, you guys, man. Like, 
I, go ahead. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so, so that's the thing is that, and now everybody's like, you know, hey, can your kids do this? Can your kids do that? Like, they want, they love the kids in the group. The group is so gun ho. Um, like, okay, like, walk out, right? There was, there's been walkouts happening in schools all over the nation, and rightfully so. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, I get it. I get it. And our kids wanted to do a walkout. Um, and these knuckleheads didn't want to tell me, but there's people in the group that was like, Mr. Thomas, man, hey, they trying to do this and not tell you, but don't tell them I said nothing, you know. <laughs> and so I get wind of it. And we talk and I say, what are y'all doing? I said, what are you doing? You've got to let me know so I can help you or so we can do this right. Because now, you know, what does that look like when y'all do something behind my back? Don't tell me. Now I got to go to the administrator, the rest of the administrators and be like, oh, Jeff, you lost control. Should we even yeah. have it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But the fact that they went out, they walked out, and they went right to our flagpole and they prayed. This is right after Dante Wright got shot. And I was like, and you had admin and teachers and everybody out there crying because they were just like, because people, you know, people think Maranatha is starting to kind of lose its Christian. Kids went out there on their own and just prayed for this whole city and this state and this nation. Yeah. We ain't losing nothing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. God is still prevalent in this school. He's still on top. He's still here. And the fact that these kids did this on their own without me going in and saying, hey, da, 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 da. I mean, I said, I know what you're doing. But they went out and did it on their own. I didn't tell them to go out there and pray. They did it on their own. So this is this is what this has led to. I mean, these kids are leading the way in a lot of different things, man. And it's awesome. It's awesome. I, like I said, I didn't think it would get as big as it has. And it has, man. It's been great. Yeah, I saw the I, – I heard about the walkout, and I saw the picture on social media later, and it was powerful. Wasn't it? And, that, and hearing the story now makes it even more powerful that these kids were like, no, we're going to go out there and pray. We're going to be different than the rest about, of the world. Yeah. You know, like yep. that's huge. We, I try to tell them that too. Like, we're not going to be like black student unions in other schools. We're not going to be like the, we are not like the rest of the world and we're not going to be what the world tells us. We are going to be different. And we, that was very different because everybody else was walking out protesting at signs. Yeah. These kids out there praying, man. Praying. I love that. I love the prayer. I love the unity aspect, what you're talking about, yeah. like with, with black student unions and and some some people that, you know, we want to empower these young black kids, but we don't want to like black power over white people kind of thing. Like, especially, you know, I'm mixed. So like right. my dad's white. So I'm not trying to like and I'm half right. white. So, and I, most people just think I'm white because I'm pretty light. So I'm not trying to like promote uh black over white in any stretch of the imagination right right exactly but exactly that coming together there's so much power in that yes and you know not to like over spiritualize or anything but the the devil wants to divide and conquer like that's what he's trying to do that's what he's trying to do yeah. so when these young kids get together black white asian hispanic doesn't matter and they get together and they pray that's so powerful like it I, is man i love it i love it it man. is man it is it is and like i said like and now what we're doing is, I got to promote it a little bit more, but 
um, what we what we had, especially for those during the during the trial, um, you know, during all the stuff going on, we had open forums, and those were great. So we had open forums, and we had teachers and students, and they were building bridges and, and coming together and having hard discussions. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, because one of the things that the kids expressed to me was, do the teachers even care? Because they don't talk about it. And I'm like, guys, the teachers don't know how to address it. Yeah. If they say the wrong thing by this much, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. And so that's why we have open forums. I was like, guys, you can be as wrong as you want to be in here. We're going to have a conversation. We're going to talk about it. Love that. And, and like people, oh man, I know Mrs. Ives was like that, and I know uh, Mrs. Mrs. Miss Richter really cares. Yeah, guys, they do. They love y'all. You kidding me? Like they love y'all. They just didn't never know how to say what they needed to say or wanted to say. So, so now we have those. I've been trying to promote them every Wednesday. I think people are a little open formed out. <laughs> but, but um but miss larson wants it and i think it's good so and it's offered um but yeah man we try to get it going on wednesdays after school where teachers and students just come in and they just digress and we just talk you know and it's these are and and all it really is is conversation these yeah. are things that like i said when we was in school we never had nothing like this man and and, and i and i feel like it's such a needed thing especially now um we need to have those conversations and we can't be afraid and shy away from stuff because for so long, not just our school, but the church as a whole in America mm -hmm. has shied away from race and shied away from talking about it. And well, this is a white church and this is a black church. It's like, well, well, yeah, we do things differently, but it ain't like we can't go to each other's church. Yeah. You know, Jesus is the same. He was yesterday, today and tomorrow. Yeah. So, so I, I feel like, you know, like I said, with what started, what started last year with just something, with just a spark, has become this giant, big old. The kids got hoodies. We're gonna be doing hoodies, and shirts, and with with the logo on it, and and all kinds of stuff. So it's it's blowing up, and I just kind of have to let it grow. You know, I just I just I can't. I just sit back and let God do His thing. It's been awesome. It's been awesome. Yeah, I love that. I love watching it from a distance a little bit. We're in the same building, right? And, yeah. But, but yeah. I love watching it grow. I love seeing what you guys are doing. I'm about to give me one of those hoodies. You got to have to. Yeah, man. When we, you know, you know, we, we got, we got um, 40. So I got 30 for my initial group and then I was going to sell 10. And when I put it out there, it was gone, you know, <laughs> and um we tried to get it going lately. It just didn't work out to where we could get more lately. Um, but we're, we're looking at different things and different ways to kind of get, because parents, dude, after the performance, like I have lower school parents, upper school parents, we want the hoodies, man. We need the hoodies. We need the shirts. We need the hoodies because they stand out. They're green and don't nobody else have yeah, them. Yeah, I've seen and those. So, and the, that and the kids, the kids kind of like that. Like, oh, I got, I got something that nobody else has. You know, they kind of like that. So, um, but, but yeah, once we get those going, man, I'll put it on blast and, and everybody who wants one, I'm going to hopefully try and see if we can get more. Um, yeah. like I said, we got, after the performance, we got like 30 more kids joining the group. So nice. we got like 60 kids in our group, man. I, I, like I said, we, we got a lot of kids, man. We got, it's blown up. 
So, but yeah, once the hoodies come out, man, I'll let you know. Yeah, for sure. Let me know. Um, you talked about about um, about unity in the body of Christ, about yeah. um, people not knowing how to have these uncomfortable conversations, and so therefore they don't have them. Right. Um, you watch, you know, recently, right after the death of George Floyd, that I talked to people that first Sunday said a lot about a church about how how much they were actually in touch with the people of color in their congregation or in their community. Um, Maybe, I don't know what the answer is, or maybe not not that you're trying to solve racism in the next five minutes, but but, (laughs) what do you think um, about that? What, what can not, not just our church, but the church, like you said, the church in America, what is some stuff that, that we can do to help, to help bridge that gap more? Well, like I said, man, you know, like the speaking is, is our, our tongue is a double-edged sword, right? So weapon, strong, it's powerful. And so, you know, really, really have, again, having that conversation, we got to talk to each other, but we also can't be afraid to talk about it behind the pulpit. Yeah. Pastors can't shy away when Philando Castile got shot, my pastor over at New Hope Church, Pastor Matthew, love Pastor Matthew, white dude from Tennessee, right? Loves the Vols, right? White <laughs> dude to Tennessee to his core. Got up on stage and he said, I don't care if you think the man was innocent or guilty. He said, our black brothers and sisters are grieving and we need to grieve with them. And for me, I was like, that I was like, yep, yep, I'm riding with this dude forever because of that. Because Philando Castile, he was like me, dude worked in a school and the kids loved him and he's gone. And yeah. so um when he said that, you know, and I've talked to him, he said, Jeff, I've lost my I've lost friends over my stance on stuff. He said, But I will not stay silent if an innocent person of color is killed. He's like, I won't. And I'll speak about it behind the pulpit, you know, and he, he does, he doesn't shy away from it. So I think tying the Bible in with what's going on, I think it's, I think it's good for people to see, yeah, God cares about this. God, God cares about this. God wants us to talk about this. See, people are under this impression that, you know, you don't talk about it. It goes away. And it's like, it's like in every cartoon when they sweep stuff under the rug and then it just gets like higher and higher and higher like this. And then all of a sudden you trip and fall over and it all comes out. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's one small thing and you trip and fall over and it all comes out because we just sweep stuff under the rug and especially in pastors, they don't talk about it. They avoid it. <clears throat> and, and so, so I just think we need to, as a church, like, Look at what the Bible says, really read it. And then pastors can't shy away from it behind the pulpit. You know, they talk about it. People in church are talking about it. <clears throat> so, so that's my opinion, man. The pastors got to get on it. You know, yeah. Just do. And I, I love what, what you said, what pastor said was just, I don't care if you think he was innocent or not. I'm grieving the lost. There, there right. is mourning happening. The Bible says to mourn with those who are mourn. Says God is close to the brokenhearted. Like that's 
we, we can argue all day and we all have incomplete information about what actually happened in all, in all of these cases. We right. can argue all day what we think happened and um, how much whatever had to play in, in the death. But a life was lost and that's tragic. It's tragic whether, it, whether it's from a cop, whether it's from a, a drug deal gone bad. The fact that they're in that situation where that happens, that's tragic. Yeah. White, yeah. black, Hispanic, Asian, doesn't matter. That's a tragedy. And, and this, this, I've seen this and heard this from so many people where they're so, and Christians that have become so cold that, or at least they sound like, like so cold and calloused, like, oh, let's wait for the facts to get out. Or let's, you know, they, they were in a lifestyle uh, of, of drugs or violence or whatever it is that, that put them in a situation where, where they, a cop would shoot them. And it was like, and I'm just like, man, someone lost their life. Can we, can we start with that and, and mourn with that? And then, and then the tragedy of even, even if they were super completely guilty, had drugs, guns, violence in gangs, whatever, the fact that they're in that situation to begin with is tragic. And that's, that's where I kind of come in on, on, on these conversations with um, cops killing black people, just to be completely honest, is the crime rate is so high in the black community that they're in more situations where they're having negative interactions with cops. So let's, can we try to figure out that? Can we try to not have, why are the poorest, most crime rate minorities there? Like, and I know it's not a simple solution and maybe that's why people don't want to talk about it because it's not a simple solution, but like, we got to break that. <clears throat> we gotta, we have to do something differently. And that's, that's what's so encouraging about hearing you talking and hearing these students talk is they're not repeating the same rhetoric that they've heard over and over again from their parents or their grandparents or, or from the news or from social media. What what they're saying is actual change, actual difference, actual unity, actually coming together, yeah. praying versus, uh, you know, rioting, actually praying and, and doing those things. I just I, I just see a lot of hope and I love hearing what you're talking about here. Right. So, yeah, man. So so a couple of things. So to address um, people being cold. Um, growing up and kind of working and being in a lot of different white environments um, gave me a different view on like just how people react to stuff. So when George Floyd was, was killed, um, I took a few days to calm myself down. <laughs> and cause I was, I, it, I, you get tired of seeing that as a black man, you get tired of seeing it's like, it's like, can we ever catch a break? You know what I'm saying? That just, you get tired of seeing that. And I went on Facebook and I usually don't go on Facebook and talk about stuff because it's, again, social media. I'll post like the verse of the day. I'll debate about this video game or that anime or those sports and then be done. Right. Yeah. Um, because those are all innocent things. Right. <clears throat> and so. I went on Facebook and I went on this and basically what it said was, I didn't go on a rant, but I just spoke from my heart <clears throat> because in my opinion, P 
people respond different when they see your pain as opposed to your anger. Yeah, when they see true. your when they see your hurt, they go. When they see your anger, they go, "Oh man!" He, but when they see your hurt, they, there's a totally different response, man. So, something that, and and again, you know, white people always kind of say, "Why well, it's it's hard for me to do this? It's hard for me to do that." to understand, right? When it comes to understanding us and what we're going through and fear and all that kind of stuff. And I just say, look, and I, I just say, look, especially with my, my close white friends, because I have a lot of close white friends. I said, what if it was me? You know, like what, what would you do knowing me, right? Jeff doesn't get in trouble with the law. Jeff doesn't get a speeding ticket. Jeff doesn't even, Jeff doesn't curse at his mama. Like Jeff doesn't do, I don't do nothing. Yeah. What if the news was like, well, he went through anger management when he was in high school, like he had anger problems. You know, what if they found this picture of me in college where I got on some wild stuff and my hat is, you know, like this and I got my medallion on, right? Like what are they gonna, you know? And 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 so what if they did that? What if they what if they did that? Like, oh man, look at his look at his grades in high school. He averaged a one six GPA, he wasn't a great student. What if the media did that and tried to defile me and then put me in and then I and I was the one that died? How would you feel? And they go, oh, it would be terrible. We would feel so bad. And some people start crying like, see, you know, so when it's someone close to them. That's when people start to feel it. And not that people didn't care. Like when I was a. I'm not gonna say that about my people. They were yeah. they cared, but really feeling that hurt and really feeling that fear. When Philando, when George Floyd was was killed again, one of my mom's closest friends. She is my second mom. She's white. She's my second mom. I call her mom. She called me and she's crying her eyes out, and she's like, "I feel like you're my black son." I said, "Yeah." I, yeah, um, you're my second mom. You know, she did. She, when mom was out of town, dad was out of town, I was at her place with her family. She, you know, she helped raise me, that lady. She did. Hmm. And she said, I'm so afraid for you. And she's crying, literally crying her eyes out. She's like, is this how your mom feels every day? I said, every day. You know, and not that she didn't care before, because she did. But really feeling that fear now that you know someone that it could happen to them and it's a very real thing people you know they get afraid and that's when they start to react differently to things you know i have football guys that i would never you know i'm i'm talking gun toting flannel wearing you know what i'm saying like guys that would never never guys that would never go down that road with me call me up and be like Man, I ain't know it was like this, man. Like, Jeff, I want you just to be safe. Don't go out there and die on me. Like, for real, man. It was crazy. The reaction and the messages on Facebook that I got. All because it was someone that was close to them. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy, man. Um. So, I even forgot my other point because I'm going off on this one. <laughs> um, but, but, um. But yeah, man, it's just, it's crazy um, when you're close to them, how they react. Mm 
um, the difference in that. Um, so that's that's that for I mean, me. And, that, and that's part of the problem too. Is that if you don't have people in your life like that, that you're closer, right. you don't have black people in your life, right. then then you don't a lot of times don't feel that as much. Right. Not that you don't care, but like you said, that when you know someone that it could have been them. It makes a difference. It, de- it definitely does. When you care about someone and love someone and it could have been them, it makes a difference. Yeah. And that's the thing. It makes a difference. And when, when it makes a difference when they know somebody, it does. It, mm-hmm. it makes a huge difference. Um, and that fear, it's not the complete fear, but it's, 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 it's most of it. You know, not, it's not the complete fear, but it's some of it. It's yeah. some of it, you know, yeah. it's some yeah. of it. Um, it's not the fear that my mom has. It's not the fear that I have walking out the door. But it, it's not. It's not the fear that my aunt has when I when I'm leaving the house or when her son's leaving the house. But it's just a little bit because it's somebody you know. Mm-hmm. It's somebody you know, and like you said, it's sad that it has to take that for some people. But it's just interesting to see that. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. You know. So it's just it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, I appreciate the time you take, um, the time you took for this, and, yeah. and really what you said, man. Good stuff. Is there anything else you want to say um, before we go? Something maybe I didn't get into, or maybe a, a final thought um, to leave people with? No, nah, man. Like again, you know, we got to do this thing together, and it, it, it's clear to me that that things that come out nowadays, um, and I said this, I said this in the skit in our Black History Student Committee uh, performance. Um, you know, the world wants a red or a blue. You know, our country, they want a red or a blue at the end of the day. And for me, you know, we got to come together without this red and this blue because that's there. Instead of celebrating, instead of celebrating our differences where they're being used to pit us against each other, you know, like, like I, if there's going to be a dinner party, let's just be real here, right? If, I, if there's going to be a dinner party, I cook, right? I cook a lot of food. I'm bringing collard greens, macaroni, cheese, fried chicken. You know, so I'm bringing it. My some of my white friends, they might bring tater tot hot dish. Okay, <laughs> I've had some very good tater tot hot dish in my day. Oh, but again, like that's a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. Let's just eat food instead of throwing it at each other. It's not difficult. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Let's just try each other's food. See if you like it. It's not hard. So really, at the end of the day, man, if we don't come together and do this thing, it's going to be a problem. But, you know, we, we got to come together and do this thing right. We got to. We got to. So. Yeah, man, I appreciate you. I appreciate you taking the time yeah, to have the conversation. Um, yeah. I love what you're doing at Maranatha. I think it's appreciate great. It. Uh, it, it honestly makes me proud um, to have graduated from that school, to see what awesome. you're doing and the progress that's being awesome. made. That's good um, to hear, man. Yeah, so I, I appreciate it. I really do. Uh, I got a little mad at you when you were wearing that Moss jersey for Decade Day or like Throwback Day or whatever. Hey, man. Hey, man. Not that old. Come on, Ma. it was not that hey, long man. ago. But I like the Moss hey, jersey. But the, the jersey was the jersey was the jersey was nice though. But yeah, it was. Yeah, you know, it was. That's that's what we wore back in the day. You know what I'm saying? That's 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 not a throwback thing. It, it I know it's not thing. a throwback like, thing. I'm, I'm denying as long as I can. But yeah, it, 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 it is. It's throwback. Yeah. <laughs> I, know. I know. We're old. We're getting old. Yeah, yeah. We're we getting there, man. We're getting what there. You do. I think that having a black role model for for these students is huge. Um, you know, and so I, I just appreciate you and what you do uh, and taking the time. 
Thank you for taking the time. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, join me for the next episode of Mixing America. Mixing America.